the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Rob Black Podcast. Check out Rob every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and Talk910.com. The Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 AM. And now, Rob Black and your money. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. Live from San Francisco in Studio B. As John Gibson has taken over my studio, which is kind of cool, having a Fox celebrity on my air chair on my microphone, I'll go sniff it after the show. It's kind of cool to have someone bigger than me in radio in my studio. But today I sit here, Tuesday, July 20th, live show yet again, talking about Wall Street, talking about investing, talking about what's happening on Wall Street and why on a day-by-day basis, uh, talking about your money. That, that's, again, the, the pound it, pound it, pound it theme here is you, not me. It's the 20-year-old. It's the 30-year-old, the 40-year-old, 50-year-old. It's the people with two kids, three kids, four kids, five kids. It's the people with $10,000. It's the people with $2 million. The show's really aimed at you. The station you're listening to now, 9, 10 a.m., it is the official Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio. I'm kind of proud that I do a show that's, that's I think, in the vein of Fox, i.e., I'm going to give you an opinion that may be non-media pretty. It may be not left, not right, but honest. It may be a little in your face. Um, it may be something you disagree with. That's the best email that I got this week was a guy who said, I listen to your show. I disagree with some of the things you say, but I still listen. I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm not trying to tell you I'm superiorly right. I'm trying to show you what works in money. Um, I'm not losing my eyesight. I'm not going to cry. I'm just a normal, average guy who used to work on Wall Street, started an investment advisory business, got into financial planning, got into media to help support you to give back to the community because the community has been so good to me. I'm a little bit like Jim Cramer. You know who Jim Cramer is, but I'm not as excitable. And I think I'm a little bit more conservative and, and try not to get you in trouble. I'm a lot like a Susie Orman, but where she's in fourth grade, I'm, I'm at a graduate level. But I try to talk to you in normal levels and not demeaning levels. So that's that's where I fall. We can talk about anything you want to talk about. We can talk about newsletters. We can talk about college planning. We can talk about it 401ks. We can talk about the next 10 years in the United States, what it's going to look like. You know, none of us will be correct in exactly saying what it's going to look like, but we will all certainly have opinions, that's for sure. Let's take a look at how Wall Street is opening today. It's earnings season. Stocks are slumping, but they're pairing some losses. Disappointing earnings data is out there. IBM came in lower than expected on revenue. Goldman Sachs came in lower than expected. A Commerce Department uh, study today said that home construction fell last month to the lowest level since October. We're getting a, a, the, a little bit of a slowdown in building permits, 2.1% rise in, in building permits. Is, it's anemic growth for the future, but it is growth for the future. So those are the big stories out on Wall Street today as far as what we're paying attention to um, and where the markets are opening um, action-wise, or what I like to say, you know, pin action. We see the Dow down 60, 10,093. 
Um, the S&P 500 is down 3, stint 1068. The Nasdaq's down 13. The S&P is down about one quarter of 1% to give you a perspective. And the Nasdaq and Dow Jones Industrial Average down a little bit more than half of 1%. I'm really not caring about that because this is turning into what I would refer to as a summer of discontent. Um, I've been using that on radio now for or on television for a while, but I haven't used it much on radio as much as I should. Uh, summer of discontent basically means we're going to go through some slowdown in economic activity. Earnings are going to show some slowdown going forward in the second half of the year. We talked about that earlier in the year. We knew this was going to happen, so it's not that much of a surprise. I think the big issue, the big issue is going to be how do we look in 2011, 2012? Because Wall Street's a discounting mechanism. Wall Street is a discounting mechanism. So in the month of July, it's starting to look at January of 2011. It kind of looks six months into the future. It's tough for me to say exactly that it's looking six months in the future, but that's the kind of ballpark that we're looking at. Elsewhere in the world of business today, President Barack Obama is hammering Senate Republicans for holding up an extension of federal unemployment benefits. Hmm, that's yesterday's news. Let's try to find today's news because that might be a little bit more appropriate. So little bit of a problem. 800-345-5639. 800-345-5639. Bear with me as I got to log in and get all my data pulled up because that was the wrong data. Um, you want to go ahead and play the clip, Heidi? And I'll just follow along. There's a, a moral issue here. And right. we've got to uh, make sure that we protect our people and take care of them. We can't just let them stop. What do you want, to, want them to do? Just fall off the face of the earth? Um, in this kind of clip, what you're talking about is the extended of unemployment benefits. Are we going to extend it or not? Today, that's going to be one of the bigger issues on Main Street. It's going to be a bigger issue on Capitol Hill. Um, If we extend unemployment benefits, what we're basically looking at in that scenario or that idea is a little bit more consumer spending. I was talking with the CFP yesterday, and when you extend unemployment benefits, um, you get more consumer spending. I know what you're saying. Like, if you're sitting at home and you don't have unextended benefits, uh, then you're kind of down the creek. If you do get those unextended benefits, then you're kind of doing a little bit better than expected. So that's the unemployment extension that the Senate is expected to vote on today. They have enough votes. It is going to pass. Democratic Congressman Elijah Cummings of Maryland told Fox News uh, Neil Cavuto this morning that you got to protect those who need help. I mostly agree. Uh, you know, jobs programs vary out there as far as effectiveness goes, but I do think you have to take care of Americans who, who literally try to find jobs and can't. Next up, those in the job market looking for jobs at hospitals maybe have to reconsider the next time they want to smoke a cigarette. Listen to this story. This reeks of of discrimination. Here's Fox News Radio's Elizabeth Prawn. If you're a smoker, you may not want to apply to a nearby hospital. A growing number of U.S. hospitals are no longer considering smokers for employment. In just the past eight months, two metro Atlanta hospitals have enacted the ban following the lead of the Cleveland Clinic, which started in 2007. Although the American Hospital Association doesn't track the exact number of hospitals that have instituted this policy, they do say the campuses are working to promote health and well-being and also working to create smoke-free campuses. Employment law attorneys tell Fox News the policies may be legal but worry the ban may be an invasion of privacy and they question what's to come. In Atlanta, Elizabeth Pran, Fox News Radio. Now, we don't have to, you know, use our imaginations too hardcore to figure out this is a problem. And the problem could be, let's say you're a passive smoker. Let's say you smoke only when you drink and you put up on your Facebook page a couple, you know, bourbon and tonics and uh, bourbon and Cokes and cigarette pictures of yourself. And then an employer does a search on you and they know that they, the, the, the HR knows that they're not allowed to hire people who smoke. And then suddenly, boom, there's a picture of you on the Internet smoking a 
smoking a big old cigarette while you're drinking uh, some alcohol and you don't get the job. I don't like the policy. I don't like the idea until smoking is outlawed in America. Saying that you can't hire people who smoke seems just problematic. With that said, I think we all agree that smoking has no place in, in hospitals, anywhere near a hospital, or even for that matter, sometimes, let's say, restaurants. I mean, but then again, where do you draw the line? Clear Channel Radio, where do you draw the line? It's it's tough to say the least. Let's talk a little bit about what ha- is happening on Wall Street. So stocks are a little bit lower today. Not not dramatic. It's not a massive sell-off. People aren't crying in the streets. There's not blood or anything like that. We opened weaker. We got a little bit stronger as the morning went on. Um, and today, and even right now, we're still recapturing some of the losses of the day. IBM and Texas Instruments reported numbers last night, and you know you got a little bit of good earnings, but you got a little bit of weakness on revenue. IBM showed a mixture of upside earnings but downside revenue. So bears, people who think the market's going to go lower, they they look at the weaker service sightings at IBM. They're questioning broader IT spending patterns. Texas Instruments made it clear that semiconductor inventory restocking has run its course. There's a book-to-bill ratio of 1.07. That's the lowest in a year. So we're incredibly thin in semiconductors for consumer gadgets. That's what Texas Instruments makes. And uh, we're not really replenishing, which tells you there's not really a lot of demand going on. So we're keeping an eyeball on all this. This is what earnings tells us. It tells us enormous parts of our economy. There was some upside beats by PepsiCo, maker of Pepsi products and Gatorade and and Lay's chips and, and all those other goodie snacks that you probably know and love, like Doritos. Peabody Energy, United Health had a great quarter great quarter. Um, but again, a lot of these companies are being overshadowed by the reality of, of weaker top line growth and ultimately a, a little less than optimistic forwarded guidance. So they're basically saying we're not beating on the revenue. We're not doing as many sales as we can, but we're, we're saving toner. We're saving ink. We're firing a person here. We're firing a person there. Johnson & Johnson results were in line, which is interesting. They're a healthcare company. They uh, lowered the bar for the full year. Again, another sign like Second half of the year is not looking glory, glory, hallelujah. So tonight, the earnings pace quickens. We get Apple, we get Altera, we get Juniper, we get Yahoo. So there's lots and lots of stuff to take a look at tonight. We'll talk about tonight's earnings when we come back off break. You're listening to Rob Black and your money to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. I got a good show planned for you. Got some good consumer advice mixed in a little bit of stock market, a little bit of earnings season, what to look for in earnings and much, much more. 800-345-5639. The Bay exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 AM. This is Rob Black and your money on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 9, 10 a.m. And now, Rob Black. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. From the cradle to the grave. This is, I, I, I dedicate the show to getting you to retirement. And again, there's so many different types of investors out there. All I want you to do is listen two hours a day, five, five days a week, 10 hours a week, be a part of the loyal listener club for 10 hours. That's not too much to ask. You do that, I'm going to get you to retirement. You start listening up now. For instance, there's an intern in the room over. I'm guessing she's 20. I'm guessing she's in college. I'm guessing, um, you know, she's young. She doesn't know much about finance. She probably knows a little bit about her degree. 
She's getting a little bit more depth in it. She's probably just world, you know, took a world literature class. She's probably getting a little bit more into it. Um, but when you're in your 20s, you need to plan ahead. That's like the first thing that you need to do. You need to think about the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 20 years. Get a pad and paper and say, where do you want to be five, 10, 20 years from now? Five years from now, probably you want to own a home. Maybe 10 years from now, you want to have a kid. And, you know, a home's going to be a down payment. A home's going to be a monthly mortgage. A kid's going to be more insurance costs for you, probably a $1,500 a year deductible on health care because kids are sick. So you're going to spend another 1500 a year on health care probably. Um, you got to start planning some of these things. You know, kids' clothes aren't free. Kids' diapers aren't cheap. So not only can you plan the diapers now, but you can start thinking like, hey, when you do talk to people who are a little bit older who do have kids, you can find out how much do they spend and, and ask questions along those lines. Uh, when you're 20 years old, you should live within your means. You shouldn't be doing $300 dinners with $100 bottles of wine. You should be doing $30 dinners with $10 bottle of wines. You need to make saving a habit 10 to 15% every two weeks with your 401k. I've been doing it since I was 18. I suggest you do it. Make savings a habit. If you don't have a 401k... Um, call a mutual fund company like Vanguard or, or, or Fidelity and have them take 150 bucks every two weeks out of your, your bank account. You can, you can do the saving as a habit yourself. You want to pay off your credit cards. The biggest evil I see out there is people who carry too much credit card debt. This credit card debt's not cheap. It's over 8% usually. So you want to pay off your credit card debt. A $2,000 balance at 18% would take you 10 years to pay it off if you made just the 4% payment each month that you have to. It would cost you an extra $1,100. So $2,000 balance cost you $1,100. So to buy $2,000 of clothes or groceries or vacation, you just spent $3,100. So it makes no sense. You want to start investing sooner than later. You're going to make mistakes. I've made mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. So when you're 20, start sooner than later. You want to establish some credit because you're not going to buy a house yet. But when you do, they want to see that you, Citizen X, has a history of paying their bills on time. Establishing credit's weird because conventional wisdom says don't have debt, but the reality is you need to have debt to show that you can service debt so that later in life when you want a bigger debt, they could look at your past history of servicing smaller debt. I know. It's crazy. You gotta make you gotta get a marketable skill in your twenties. Um we're gonna talk about the, the the power of college. Is it you know, is there a bubble there? College costs keep going up every single year. Housing costs stop going up, stock market stopped going up. Car prices stops going up. So college costs, they're not stopped going up. And you got to make sure you don't go to college to get a degree in philosophy. In this economy, that ain't going to serve you terribly well down the road. So you, I'm just trying to help you. If you got your philosophy major, you're, you're going to be basically mm, not a very marketable skill. Uh, you want to cut the financial umbilical cord at some point in time in your 20s. You, I, you don't want mom and dad to support you forever. You got to learn how to pay your own bills. I know in the state of California, it's really, really popular to live with mom and dad because buying your own place is out of the reach for most people. Renting a place is expensive for most people. But the sooner you cut the financial umbilical cord in your 20s, the more likely you're going to be getting good at learning how money actually works. You want to marry wisely. I know this sounds like an odd mistake, but let's say you, you're fresh out of high school and you marry a military man and, well, let's say he drinks and you don't and relationship just stinks and you'll hate the military for the rest of your life. You'll, you'll, let's say you, may, you marry a banker out of college and, you know, he's full-time trying to get his graduate degree and, well, when you get your graduate degree, this is another important thing is to try to marry someone in your own area. Uh, you don't want to be going to work while they're going to graduate school because there's going to be a lot of stress on you, too, for different reasons. So try to marry, marry very, very wisely. Choose a spouse so you can keep, 
communication open with. Secret to this world, if you can't communicate with people you work with, if you can't communicate with people you love, it ain't worth doing. It ain't worth doing. Have some fun. Good God, when you're 20s, have some fun. I worked my butt off in my 20s. Now, my goal was to make a million dollars before I hit 35. That was my goal, was to earn a million dollars, have it in the bank, save my money wisely. The owner of the Golden State Warriors was recently interviewed, and he said, save your money. Don't spend your money. Save your money. That's um, really good advice. And again, um, in my 20s, I, I, I didn't get married. In my 20s, I, I didn't see an episode of Seinfeld. And I'll tell you what, I'm better off financially for it. But socially, I'm a little bit on the awkward side, to say the least. Anyway, you get the whole idea of where I'm going with uh, the tw- investing in your 20s, savings in your 20s. Next segment, I'll start with talking about the difference from your 20s. Talk about those same exact concepts of what you should be doing in your 30s. But first, I went to Verizon yesterday after the show, and I went to get my Droid X phone. It's getting amazing reviews, amazing reviews. I don't really need an Apple iPhone. I don't really want to wait till January. When the time comes, if I want it, I'll buy it. I don't have to wait for the two-year upgrade. Uh, but I got the Droid X, and get this. I ain't getting the Droid X till the 28th. Sold out. Makes you scratch your, your cheek and go, what's, what's going on here? What's going on here? A little philosophical scratch, right? So what's going on is Motorola has a winning product on their hand. And it's interesting to note, I just looked at the 4G phone, the Evo by Sprint. I looked at the reviews, and they were awful. I would have jumped over to Sprint, no problem, but the reviews were awful. So don't need that. I looked at the reviews of the the Motorola Droid X, and they're pretty much so five-star out of five-star. They said it's everything but an Apple iPhone. It's not an Apple iPhone, they said. It's everything but. So as an investor, there might be some upside in Motorola. Sold out till the 28th. Quarter's starting to wrap up. There's some good things there. Verizon, there seems to be a lot of pent-up demand for the Motorola's new Droid X, the new Android feature product. It's, uh, consumers are clamoring for Android. They believe that it's recently sold over 3.5 million smartphones for the third quarter. 2010 is going to be a conservative estimate. Again, I am so tired of my Palm Pre. It stopped using the, the text letters S and X. It's just old. It's tired. It wants to quit. It served me for five years. It wants to die. So if I want it to sext a message to someone, I would actually send, if I were to say, I want sex, it would, I would actually send a message that says, I want E, because there's no S and there's no X on my phone. It's tired and old. It's time to upgrade. And Motorola's got a winning product on their hand. I'm not going to invest in Motorola stock. But I'm certainly saying that there's something interesting going on there. Tonight, Apple reports earnings. They're going to be great. The downside is a lot like BP's got this issue where there's this huge oil spill, and that's public uh, PR that's just not good. Same thing with Apple. They got this problem with the the antenna. That Believe it or not, and I, I do believe Steve Jobs in this case, that most people who have the iPhone, they've learned to get around the problem. They're they're pretty happy with the iPhone 4. They think it's the Jesus phone. They put it on their table. They turn um, bread into fish. You know, they're, they're able to turn uh, water into wine. They're able to do what they got to do. So the Jesus phone does it. And, it, you know, Apple's problem is a little PR problem, but it, it still is a negative. Because let's say you, um, I, I told you this. I was at a bar the other day watching the last two innings of the baseball game uh, between the Giants and uh, Jesus. It was the Mets. And these two just drunk wino type of guys, you know, bar flies, uh, they're sitting there and going, oh, have you heard about the Apple and the, the lawsuits? And have you heard about the, the grip of death? 
And, you know, they're like a week behind the news. They haven't heard about Steve Jobs addressing these issues and getting a fix out there. And it's not that much of an issue. It's affecting less than 1% of people. The consumer reports, uh, uh, consumer happiness levels are, are still very, very high. So Apple's going to have a good quarter tonight. But there's still going to be a cap on the shares, which could give you an opportunity to buy shares. The best thing for me, and I own shares of Apple, if it gets hit tonight, 10, 20, 30, 40 points, whatever, I don't care. I'm buying more. I still think they have the right product. Did I buy the Motorola Droid X? I did. But again, sometimes I'm not putting my money, my consumer money, where my investment money is. So, And that's okay. Tonight, Yahoo's going to report numbers in the last 90 days. Since last time they reported numbers, their shares are down about 19%. So there is some upside here. Uh, What happened in the last quarter to their stock isn't indicative of what they've been saying about their earnings. Now, again, profitability, speaking with Rob, profitability was slightly better than expected. I'm expecting revenues below the midpoint of guidance because everyone's coming in a little bit on the weak side. Second quarter guidance offered a lower revenue outlook already. There could be some upside in display advertising and earns per share. Um, but I don't expect that, that, you know, this is going to be, go back to the 1990s and blow numbers out. It's just that's not where we are right now. So a lot of cool stuff happening in the world of investments. In the next segment, I'm going to start with some principles of investing in your 30s or money in your 30s is a better way about it. Then I'm going to go into mortgage plans. And I'm going to even hit a little bit about a big day for electronic publishers. Huge day today. We'll not go down in history. It'll be forgotten. But yet, it's still a huge day. Right around the corner, we've got the uh, Bloomberg um, Sports the business of sports. It's a pretty neat segment. You're going to like it. Stay tuned for that. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money, 800-345-5639. The Bay Area's exclusive home, Fox News Radio, 910 You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 AM. So I started the last segment with some concepts of investing in your 20s. I'm going to start this segment with some concepts of investing in your 30s. I'll start the next segment with some concepts of investing in your 40s. Let's start with investing in your 30s. This will hit a lot of us. A lot of us baby uh, generation X, you know, not quite baby boomers, but Gen Xers. Um, understand that we were slackers, that we were a little bit late to the party, that we were still enjoying things while our our baby boomer brothers and sisters went off and, and became financially successful. We're a little bit of a lost generation, so to speak. Um, one of the things when you're in your 30s, you're going to get more, you know, you're going to get a lot of debt. You're, you're going to have some college debt probably left over. You're going to have some car debt. You're going to have some uh, home debt. Uh, you got to learn what is good debt and what's bad debt. In your 30s, uh, you're going to get a mortgage probably. You're going to have a family. And uh, you don't want to pay off that mortgage. Mortgage debt's good debt. Credit card debt is bad debt. Any debt over 8% bad debt, credit card debt, student debt, pretty good. Although I'm starting to question some student debt scenarios, especially depending on where you go to school and, and uh, how many years does it take you to get finished. Now, you want to kick, kick the debt cycle altogether in your 30s. I understand that in your 20s, your your, your, your buying power is not good. Your, your buying power gets a little bit better in your 30s. It should if you've done everything right. If you're still making, you know, minimum wage in your 30s, then you're doing something wrong financially. You want to kick the debt cycle altogether. You want to start paying off some of your debts and saying, you know what, any debt over 8% is evil. Mortgage debt's okay. It's tax deductible. It's a low cost of money. It stays fixed. It doesn't adjust for inflation. Um, it's an amazing tool. I love my 30-year mortgage. I will not pay off my 30-year mortgage. I will never send in an extra payment. Anyone who does, financially retarded, 
financially foolish thing to do. I think in your 30s, you want to get serious about retirement. Let's say you spent your 20s doing a little X, doing some partying, having some, you know, knocking boots time and drinking and, and, and Coke. And you partied good in your 20s. Well, in your 30s, it's, it's about getting serious. No more random trips to Tahoe unless you plan them financially. So you want to get serious about your retirement. You are now starting to run out of time. I know you're saying in my 30s, I'm running out of time. You are. Um, you're only going to live till 60 as far as making money. And then you're in retirement. I think uh, you want to start diversifying your investments. I own stocks. I own a, a rental property, two rental properties, three rental properties. One rental property is an office, two are residential. Um, so you want to start diversifying. Now, again, I also own a large amount of stocks. Right around a million dollars in stocks and bonds is when I start getting rental properties to diversify. As I become wealthier, I'll start adding more things to diversify, like artwork. I already own some artwork, but you get the idea. It's non-correlating to the stock market. I think you want to continue to learn. You know, now in your 30s, you instead of reading Jugs magazine and and, and things along those lines, uh, it's time. No more Sports Illustrated. Time to retire that, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to start reading about financial investing. It's starting time to get Kiplinger. Best magazine you can get a brother, sister, Kiplinger magazine. I think you want to protect your assets. And what do I mean by that is, you know, some of your best laid plans will go awry. So you want homeowner's insurance, you want renter's insurance, you want health insurance, you want disability insurance, and you want an emergency fund. An emergency fund is two to six months of salary. Health insurance protects your health in case, not in case you get a cold, but in case you get cancer. It's very expensive. It would bankrupt you. Disability insurance is probably the most important thing to get in your 30s because your ability to earn income for the next 30 years is really what you got. You no longer got your good looks. Those are gone in your 20s. Now you got to earn, you got to protect your ability to earn. You also want homeowners or renters insurance because sometimes bad things happen. I mean, just turn, open up a Yahoo's page every day and a tornado hits some town. Um, it seems like every single day you want to protect your assets. It's just, again, don't use insurance as an investment. You want to use insurance as a worst case. scenario. it protects you in case you get disabled in a car crash today. It protects you in case your health goes bad and you get cancer. It protects you in case your home burns down or let's say um, your cat goes massively out of controls and starts peeing all over the floor and ruins the wood. Well, you don't have $10,000 to replace that. You use your homeowner's insurance to replace that. You get the idea. You want to start living simply. You know, in your 30s, um, you want to get as much going as much going into retirement as you can because if you don't get at least forty dollars to $100,000 by age 40, you're going to work till the day you die. You want to make your will known in your 30s because that's when people start dying. And, you know, you know, Brittany Murphy, I didn't think she was going to die in her 30s, but boom, she's gone. Some of us, we have bad tickers that can get us through our teens and our 20s, but not through our 30s. So get a will and get it known, especially if you have a kid. And if you're fighting with your spouse about who, where your kid goes, get that resolved. Because sometimes you and your, your spouse will be in a car going to see a movie and bam, you're both dead. So, and then, you know, your sister's fighting for him, her sister's fighting for him, your aunt says, I thought I was going to get him. Um, it can get messy, especially when there's money involved. In the next one, life insurance. When you get married in your 30s, um, get a 20-year term policy for you, whoever's the breadwinner. If you're both breadwinners, get two 20-year term life policies. That's critically important. Screw whole life, screw variable life. Talk to anyone who's 60, 70 years old who had that crap product for the last 20, 30, 40 years, and they hate it. of us, all we need is a good term life policy. It's the cheapest, and we're not likely to freaking frag and die. 
And that allows us to put more money into our savings and our 401k. And, you know, one more thing, you know, in your 20s, I said live and, and go see the world. In your 30s, I'll say start being a little bit more charitable. Start helping others. Um, one thing that I've been very proud of is I've always enabled others around me in work to try to succeed financially and try to succeed above their, their ways and means. Uh, my father was a great guy at pulling people in under his wings and making sure that they got you know, noticed in the, in the job market. I, I totally believe in that as well. Give people an opportunity. Someone gave me an opportunity in radio 15 years ago, and, and I ran with it. If it ends today, I'm totally happy. I've got other interests to pursue, and I, I think I've trained enough people in the world that they can teach you about money on their own. Let's talk a little bit about Obama now. Obama and the mortgage plan. <laughs> Sounds like a bad book, doesn't it? Sounds like a bad children's book. You know the, the mortgage bailout that, that his uh, office crafted? Right now, 40% of people who opted into the Obama Mortgage Aid Program, they've dropped out. Uh, about 530,000 borrowers have fallen out of the program as of last month. The Treasury Department said that today. That's 40% of the nearly 1.3 million enrolled since March 2009. It's a sign that foreclosures are going to continue to rise. And if you think real estate's getting ready to rebound, you are smoking dope. Because what led to the problem, you're seeing 40% of the people that were the worst case of the worst cases. No, 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 they're not even the worst. They, they had something. They had less than 125% debt in the house. They weren't, they weren't 50% upside down, which a lot of Californians are. These were people that were only 25% up or down versus the, the value of their loan. So they're falling out aggressively. This housing market is still very, very, very problematic. We need a healthy housing market if we're going to have a healthy economy. What am I trying to say? We don't have a healthy economy right now. It's okay, but it ain't healthy. Next up, ebooks have topped hardcovers at Amazon. That's kind of one of those days in history where you're going to say, I remember Rob Black saying that. That's right. Rob Black told you Amazon.com, one of the nation's largest booksellers, announced that for the last three months, sales of books for its e-reader, the Kindled, have outnumbered sales of hardcover books. Now, in that time, Amazon said they sold 143 Kindle books for every 100 hardcovers, including hardcovers for which there is no Kindle edition. And the pace of change is quickening. We are starting to use e-readers. That's cool. That's so 24th century. That's let's save a freaking fragging tree. In the last four weeks, sales rose 180 digital books for every 100 hardcover copies. So even that number of 143 Kindle books for every 100, it's quickening. Not over three months, but over the last month, it's even quickening faster than that. Amazon has 630,000 Kindle books, a small fraction of the millions of books sold on its site. Book lovers mourning the demise of hardcover books with their heft and their musty smell need a reality check. This is a day that it was going to come. It's a day that it has come. It's the 21st century. I predict that within a decade, fewer than 25% of all books will be print versions. They'll all be electronic versions. Hardcover is still far from extinct, though. So don't think that. And, you know, in the next break, I'll talk a little bit about the Kindle e-reader versus the Apple iPad e-reader. Because I think these trends can be invested in. I really think they can be invested in. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. Rob Black and Your Money. Starting off next segment, I'm going to hit what you should be doing in your 40s from a financial perspective. I'm going to cover a little bit more on the Kindle and the Amazon debate. Maybe an email if I can get to it. Maybe a phone call if you pick up the phone and call 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Rob Black and Your Money. The Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 AM. Black in your money on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 9-10 a.m. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. I've been talking today in the first hour 
Invest in your 20s. Very different than invest in your 30s. Invest in your 30s. Very different than invest in your 40s. Not really. That's one of the reasons I, I have a list. It should be invest in your 20s, invest in your 30s, 40s. In your 40s, it's a little bit, I don't want to say too late, but that's really the time to start refining all your financial issues because you're starting to cruise. Invest in your 50s. You really want to do everything you can to avoid a slowdown in the stock market or a bear market. But invest in your 40s. You're kind of, you're starting to get a little wealthy. Your kids are a little bit older. Your mortgage is 10 years old. Your mortgage payment that was two, three, four thousand dollars 10 years ago. Hopefully you're making more money than you were 10 years ago. So you're starting to really mature with your investment strategies. I think you continue to want to diversify. If in the past you've just maxed out your 401k, then you'll probably have some savings accounts and some extra money now because you max out the 16.5. Your kids are a little bit older. They're probably going to college. You probably have a little extra money in your 40s. So again, I think now is the time to review your insurance because I already told you to get insurance in your 30s. Now is the time to get a little bit more stability in your, your portfolio or at least to understand you're halfway done. Your 20s and 30s are gone. Now you got your 40s and 50s and that's it for earning money. Then you got to live off of it. I think you want to review your retirement savings. How much money do you have? If you were to sell everything today, what do you got? Now, there's not a financial planner in the world who counts your home as an asset. We all count them as a liability. You lose your job, you have to continue to pay it. And suddenly you're, you're dipping into savings to pay your mortgage. Now, again, it's not common that we lose our jobs. But I have to throw it out there that it's a liability. It's not an asset. Until you're retired, it is not, until it's paid off, it is not an asset. And even then, it's a tough asset to quantify because you think it's worth something that, that you're wrong on. I saw a study last year about invest, if you had invested $100,000 in a home in 1980 and you allowed that home to you know, grow for 30 years and you paid off your mortgage and you invested $100,000 in, in a stock market, you'd have four times in the S&P 500 what you have in your home. A lot of people don't understand, once you've invested $100,000 in a stock market, you're done. Every time you, every month you have to, you know, service your, your mortgage every single month. So I think in your 40s, you want to start thinking about a living trust. What happens if, you know, I have a stroke? What happens if I don't understand me? What happens if you're in the hospital bed and, and you're in a coma? You know, what if you go into a diabetic coma? What if your wife thinks that you, you know, want to be on life support your whole life and you're like, pull the plug on me in seven days. You want to start developing a living trust. You want to start, you know, really getting a hardcore will out there. You're going to spend some money now in your 40s on, on basically you should hire a financial advisor or a financial planner. In your 40s, you in maybe late 40s, you should get an estate planner and come up with that living trust that I talk about. A living trust is going to cost you $3,000 minimum. And in your 40s, I don't think you want to read the financial headlines every day because the day for being super smart is over. You are now maxing out your earnings potential, putting your head down, and moving forward. You are not thinking about this on a regular basis. If you got credit card debt in your 40s, you've done something wrong. You've been working your whole life and you got credit card debt. You should start seeing the end in your 40s. You should start saying, you know, I see an end coming to this whole process. So, yeah, I'm totally digressing yet again. Um... Interesting statistic I just saw this morning, and I don't have any advice for investing in your 50s other than figure it out um, on your own. I think you really should have a financial plan in your 50s if you've done well. I saw an interesting study on home prices 
versus the CPI versus the cost of college. Now, the CPI is the Consumer Price Index. College costs have gone up. I remember in the 19, late 80s, early 90s when I was going to college, college was, what, $2,000, $4,000 a year. So it wasn't much. And it was actually less than that at one point in time. Now, books were different and, and housing was different. But I, th- I remember tuition was about, started around 1600 And, you know, I think it got to as high as 2100 a quarter or a semester in my lifetime. Now, I saw a study that goes back to 1978, 78 to 2010. And it looks at the price of a home. Now, they put the home at $100. They put the CPI at $100. And they put the cost of college at $100. Or you could just say 100 data units. You don't have to use dollars in your head. Now, the value of the CPI, consumer price index, things that we eat like apples, okay? Um, It's gone from that period of time where it actually dipped in value back in 1978 all the way to CPI would, you know, for the same amount of goods, you'd have to spend 32 for every every 10 that you did, uh, 3.2 for every dollar. So, okay, so it's gone up 3.2 times. The cost of a home has gone up four times in that same period of time. So consumer prices have been less inflationary than homes. Does that make sense? Now, the same exact hundred figure put it into um, cost of college back in 1978. That would turn out to be eight, no, no, 10 times higher, more than two times housing. So the cost of college is in a bubble. It's out of control. From 1978 to 2006, college tuition has increased by more than twice that of homes. It's gone up a factor of 10 times. College tuition uh, bubble basically makes the housing bubble look small. I would caution your idea that college is a good investment. It used to be a great investment because it gets you a higher paying job. In this day and age, not so much. So it sounds like, wow, college costs keep going higher and higher and higher. And what do you do with your college costs when it goes higher and higher and higher? What did you do with your housing as it went higher and higher and higher. What you did was you chased a bubble. You took on more debt than you should. College kids are chasing a bubble. They're taking on more debt than they should. So it's a little bit buyer beware. Now, if you're going to college to become a mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, hallelujah, you're going to get a high-paying job. If you're going to college to get a, a job as a board op at a radio station, if you're going to get a job as an editor at a TV station, if you're just getting a common job, it probably isn't worth it. At this point, I would say you, you almost have to make 80000 minimum a year to make a college four-year degree worth it. Now, again, it, it's a return on investment over time. If you get a degree in college, a college degree, you tend to live longer than high school degrees. People with high school degrees tends to be you earn more money, you vacation a little bit more, you get a little bit more less stress, you eat a little bit better. I know it's kind of a weird concept thinking that a college degree equals better life. It tends to. But I'm not going to elaborate too much on this other than to say don't take on mountains of debt. When I see some college kids today come out of debt with $100,000 in debt from a prestigious like New York University and they got a degree in journalism, they're never going to get a return on investment there. They should have spent that money and, and done something else with it because it's never going to be the return on investment that they want it to be. Anyway, last segment I was talking a little bit about and where are the phone calls? 800 345 5639. It's 800-345-5639. Last segment, I was talking a little bit about how the Kindle now is selling more ebooks. No, 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 not Amazon. Amazon selling more ebooks for the Kindle than they are hardcover books. And, you know, sales have exceeded the growth. Kindle book sales have held their own. Owners of the iPads and other mobile reading devices 
They're buying Kindle books. A lot of people are saying the iPhone, the iPad, the BlackBerry, and the Android are nice for some free uncopyrighted books. But Kindle books must buy or download content via Amazon. And every time they sell a Kindle, they lock up a customer. So and a lot of people are seeing the iPad as nice, but not quite the reading device that the Kindle is. The Kindle is meant to be reading, read. I've never used a Kindle. It's something I should get out and use because I'm talking about it. I'm not telling you to go out and invest in Amazon. Don't do it. That's not my advice. I'm telling you, we're selling more eBooks, and Amazon has really figured out something that really makes the business model a little bit more uh, tied to them. Now, again, that doesn't mean Apple's not going to do well and sell a lot of, of iPads and, and a lot of readers tied to it. They are, and they're going to sell a lot of subscriptions to the New York Times. I assure you. In this case, it's it's not one right makes a wrong. It's, it's, there's two rights. can be true. Kindle sales have tripled after Amazon lowered the price of the device in June from $259 to $189. Now, that was moments after there was a price war started by Barnes Noble, who took their Nook reader from 259 to 199 Down the road, this is what Amazon should do. They should say, we're going to give it away for free or near free because they want you to really lock up that device. They want you to really lock up that content. Uh, they really want to be the reader, the book reader. Apple iPad will be good for other things, magazines, surfing the web, some videos, email, things along those lines. Now, again, the iPad will evolve. And maybe down the road, the iPad will take out the ebook reader, the, the Kindle or the Nook from Barnes & Noble or the Kindle from Amazon.com. But it's interesting to see. Again, more books are being downloaded. This is a historic day. This is one of those days where it's 21st century and I'm glad to be alive kind of thing. So anyway, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. I've opened a ton of can of worms. I've opened earnings season night with Apple and Yahoo, amongst others. I've opened where we are in our economy right now. I've talked a little bit about digital 21st century. I've talked about investing in your 20s, investing in your 30s, investing in your 40s. A little bit about investing in your 50s, but not so much. I've talked about real estate prices. Probably not going to hold up from what we're seeing people failing in the uh, Obama mortgage aid program. Over 40% are dropping out. Where are you in all this talk and all this debate? 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. You can also drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. What else do I have for you? Oh, I've got a Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. It's Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. We'll take a break here. We'll do a little Fox News. I'll do a little headline news right after the break. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.